right about him. I'm always right. It's like when I'm right, I'm right. And when I'm wrong, I could have been right. So I'm still right because I could have been wrong. That makes sense. Come on. Episode 42, we in the house. Yay, yay. How goes it? Good, sir, on this fine, fine Wednesday evening. Well, actually, oh, also, first work. of all, R.I.P. Betty White before we before we forget, because that happened, uh, well, like a day or two after we recorded last. So, you know, ha- had to give some flowers there. It happened. It happened more than a day or two. It happened like literally like on the 30th, I think. Yeah, it was 30th or 31st. Yeah, yeah, one of those days. R.I.P. to the legend, one of the goats, Betty White, who not only was hilarious, but was hilarious until the day that she died and also invited black people on her Betty White show back in the 40s and the 50s and was like, fuck it, deal with it. These are all facts. I and think she said when somebody asked him, like, why you got a black person on your show? I think she said, live with it. Yeah, no. <laughs> That's uh, getting cool. Betty White. And, and also there's more, there are more RIPs, but I'll hold out from those. And it's interesting too, because Betty White, from what I was, from what I, the research, I, I didn't do research. I just kind of stumbled upon it. A movie about her hundredth birthday is coming out in like two weeks when she was supposed to turn a hundred, and she was yeah. They to had the magazine year. cover ready, which I mean, yeah. look if we if we you know because I, I feel like she deserves some bending of the rules. Uh, if you factor in all the leap days that she lived through, she hit a hundred. And you know, uh, people die, legends live forever. So it's true. Let me let me see. Um, and allegedly 50 Cent is bringing back Golden Girls. Yep, her so response was live with it. <laughs> live with it. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about gangster. Live with it. Yeah, she was she was one of the realest. And you know what I liked about Betty White too? It felt like it felt like she always knew she was a part of the joke instead of getting offended by them. Like all of the mm. remember like that five to ten year stretch when everybody was like, Betty White is crazy because or like Betty White would do like, it was just like one of these long running jokes and she was a part of it instead of pushing back against it and trying to be this super over the hill, classy, I was an A-list actor kind of a thing. She just rolled with the punches and all of her career, she transitioned to that next part of her career, what felt like with Grace. Yeah, I mean, I feel like she's in that rarefied air of pretty much, I mean, apart from maybe the people that were really upset that she had a black tap dancer on her show, mm-hmm. universally beloved. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't think there's many bad stories about Betty White. No, nah, and the people who didn't love her, she probably didn't want that love anyway. Yeah. So it's a win They probably died before she did. Oh, I, I, All I, I hate in your heart. That. I don't <laughs> doubt that. Betty White is too much of a G to go out too early. Mm-mm. Yeah. Queen of pettiness. I respect it. <laughs> so shout out to the legend. I wish you could have saw 2022. Um, well, I mean, you know, well, that's the crazy thing. You know, she had to be so great that I believe because uh, it was the 31st. I don't remember. So I'm pretty sure it was 2022 in some parts of the world. So she she gets mm. to call dibs on both years. In my eyes. I'm rolling. I'm rolling. I think Betty. I think we should just replace New Year's with Betty White Day. I mean that's fine. I'm I'm with it. I'll I'll sign that petition. Absolutely, man. We out here partying. I think they said one time for her, uh, like one of her ninety something birthdays, they asked her what she wanted. She said a hot dog and a shot of vodka or something. I was like, dog, that's yeah. gangster. No, how we rolling she, like that? Well, she said she for her hundredth birthday, she wanted to like build Legos that said you could only do it until you're up to ninety nine. <laughs> 
on listen man that's i don't think we'll i don't think in our lifetimes we'll get another betty white and i'm happy about that because yeah. i don't want to see i want to be i want to appreciate what was instead of looking at what was supposed to be yeah i also you know hope that we're somewhat further along than some of the things that she was enduring as we've mentioned so um but hey never, never know. know never know so who's your 42, 42. my guy um my 42 I mean, th- there's one, you know, what is known doesn't need to be stated. Shout Mariana out to Rivera. No, I was going to say shout out to oh. Jackie. Oh. But Mo is my 42. No, it's and, not for real. Yeah, for real. Mo no, Vaughn. You're no, lying, no, I'm playing. no, I'm playing. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Mariano Rivera, the greatest closer who has ever lived. That is my 42. The most dominant one pitch maybe in the history of baseball. <laughs> Except for the knuckle cutter. Uh, No one had a knuckle that was as dominant as most cutter. Because I I was listening to someone talk about this recently, actually. And they're saying the crazy thing about Mariano Rivera is he was so open to be like, here's exactly how I throw my cutter. And for whatever reason, no one could do it. No. And like, it's not like his hands were like, like people always talk about Pedro's hands were just way too big. Mm -hmm. So he could do stuff that people literally physically couldn't do with a baseball. Mo just had normal hands and just like somehow it worked better for him than everyone else. And I think part of it was he had beaten the people before they even stepped in the box because of how great he was. That Mike Tyson syndrome. Yeah. It was like, Oh, it's Mariano Rivera. I I may as well just not even go to the on deck circle. So yeah. Mo is my, my, uh, my 42. It was frankly a pretty easy one. I'm Uh, shocked. I got nothing but love for Mo. Okay. Okay. I'm still uh, shocked. I'm happy you did this, but I'm shocked. I mean, I'll, I'll give – I think uh, Mo Vaughn is the last player to wear 42 and win the MVP. So, I'll, I'll give him some flowers there too. But 652 saves, it's tough to uh, – And he finished 952 games, which is – he has the most all-time there, um, which is a pretty insane number. And he – let's see, what do you have? Almost 1,300 innings and not even 1,000 hits. And he still let um, Dave Roberts steal, so nothing but love. That's ill. That's ill. So my 42 is one of the hardest-hitting safeties ever in the league. Never mind. Uh I think I know where you're your going face. with your 42. Your face. Yeah, that's getting muted. That's getting bleeped out. I, th- I thought we were doing 42 years. We know it's 42. Is that Jersey? all he got? Oh, thank God, life. Uh, so my 42. Tar Heel. I just, I just couldn't not. That's that. That was like the only other one outside of Mo, who I could think of besides Jackie. Like I can't, I can't not give it to Jackie Robinson. Um, I'm not going to harp too much on him because if you don't know him about Jackie Robinson, then shame on you. Going to go do your goddamn research. But Jackie Robinson, I mean, as as the only podcast who talks about Negro League players, except for the actual Negro League Museum podcast, Jackie Robinson is. I don't think that there are enough words to attribute to the greatness of Jackie Robinson. And the crazy thing was, baseball might have been the third best thing about him. 
You know what I mean? Like it's like yeah. he was a military he was a military veteran in a time where black soldiers were killed at exponentially a higher rate than white soldiers. He was a humanitarian, a, a proud husband, family man, and he also happened to be the first MLB designated full-time baseball player because a lot of people don't know that he's not actually the first black person to play in the MLB, but he's the first time, first one to actually have a full-time position in an MLB in 1947 with the Brooklyn Dodgers, the real Dodgers out here. And I, I, I love like Jackie Robinson's stats don't do him justice. Like they're not that impressive of stats. If you just look at the heart numbers compared to baseball, yeah, grades, that like context baseball. puts it in a different realm. Isn't that, it's like, wow. Because if you think about like, and, and you know, what's even crazier too about his numbers. I think about, I thought about this when I watched 42 for the first time. Imagine all of the numbers he got cheated out of because they called balls that were they called strikes that were balls. They mm-hmm. called him out at the plate if it was close. Like all of the numbers he probably would have had if they didn't rob him of them is insane. Like any still. That's like I was also just wondering. Like I was looking at his hit by pitch and be like, how many like attempted hit by pitch do you think he would have had? Or like probably where he got hit and they were like, nope, I didn't see it hit him. He would have probably be uh, Baglio by like two hundred. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, um, I mean, Craig Biggio. So it's like one of these things where Jackie Robinson, I think the way that people talk about MLK is the way that people talk about Jackie Robinson on a smaller level, but it should be at a much higher level than it actually is. I think that people don't realize how important baseball is to the fabric of America and just how crazy it is that this man broke the color barrier. Like, I don't think people really truly understand that. And it wasn't because he was the best Negro League player at all. It was because he was young. He, they felt like his temperament would, would hold up against what he would face. They felt like they could use what he had to win one, which is not something that we got to understate. And for a racist game to be like, we need a black man to play and had to hand pick them. That's what's crazy. So it's not like people tried out and they were like the best person is going to win because he wasn't and, the and, best player. And the other players in the New York leagues didn't like him didn't because like they, yeah. they thought that they were trying to get someone who isn't as good. Because, I mean, yeah. Satch and, you know, Josh, you know, from a talent level. Yeah. So it's it's – I think that what that man went through his whole life, I think that that's, uh, that's one of those things, too, that I think is also understated. He died in 72. He only lived mm-hmm. to be 53. Yeah, he didn't make it to his own induction. Exactly. And, and it's wild if you think about it, because 1972 still wasn't the greatest time. Coming out the 60s with all of those assassinations and all that kind of stuff. So, like, it's it's almost like he stole bases for freedom. But in doing so, the rest of his life was stolen from him. He had mm-hmm. endured so much that it just feels like he only had a – like. 52, 50, 53 years is a blip in time. That's such a blip yeah. in time. But but when but you like, think about I it, I think though, it puts into perspective. <laughs> you, you say he's been, you know, that's 50 years now without mm-hmm. his wife is still with us. Mm-hmm. It's like that closes that time gap way quicker. Yeah. And Hank Aaron just died last year. Right. Like that's that's how close it is. And Hank Aaron also played in Negro Leagues for a very short time, but still, like that yeah. shows you cup, just cup how much, how much more life he still could have had to live if he didn't. Yeah, have Hank to Aaron just passed away, stuff. and he was born. I I only say this because I know what year Jackie was born. I think fifteen years uh, younger than Jackie. Yeah, but it's like that's not that long. 
Not at all. So <laughs> think about the Jackie. maturity of a 15 year old and then put that in, in, in your time, yeah. time frames. So shout out to the great Jackie Robinson for sport American. athlete as well. American yeah, hero. Yeah. American hero. Like that's the, also the cool, I think that's one of the coolest things about old black athletes. I don't know any old black athlete who played one sport. I don't know one old black athlete who played only two sports. Everybody yeah. played at There's minimum like, yeah, two more athletic than everyone. Dude, Will also, Chamberlain. Do, do you feel? I, I feel. I feel like this would be the case. How happy do you think CC Sabathia? Because I'm just looking at the all-time wins above replacement leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to see kind of the names that Jackie was in. Because yeah, I, I think that this isn't a fair representation of his greatness. Mm-hmm. You know, no offense, but he's kind of at level or just below Chase Utley, Roy Halladay. Richie Ashburn, Willie McCovey, Joey Votto, all of whom played significantly more seasons than him. You know, he only played 11 years, you know, so we're shout comparing out the, that. Shout out to the multiple Phillies that you named too, but yes. I, I know. That, that's why I wanted to, to headline mm-hmm. that with no offense to why I'm listing them, but he's greater than them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I was just looking down who's just below him. I feel like CC Sabathia with his appreciation of the Negro Leagues over the years. Yeah has to be like I, I almost wonder if that factored into being him being like no i'm good to retire i'm like right right behind jackie just about on the I all-time would, list i feel comfortable dude, right here i wouldn't doubt that he pulled the barry sanders i'm not passing my hero i barry sanders yeah, like, exactly. i'm not passing walter payton i'm out i'm out of the game and that's why he wore that's why he wore the baggy pants for the negro leagues i think that the three black players who who to me talked about the negro leagues at a high level and throughout my childhood was CC Sabathia, Jimmy Rollins, and Tory Hunter. They would talk yeah. about the Negro League so much. And I was like, and they never let me. And Juan Pierre randomly too. Like he would, because the high socks and all that, he'd be like, oh, well, yada, 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 Negro League stolen yep. bases. So I never. A, a lot so of those guys there. have stuff at the museum. Um, and, and same thing, you know, Mo has his jersey hung up there. Oh, that's sick. Kenny Lofton's another good one um, mm-hmm. that was always showing love. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, CC. That's why I've always loved CC. Even as the like, he I, to me, he was the Yankee after Jeter. He was the, Brett Gardner wants really? to be that guy, but I thought CC Sabathia was the true leader. So, so are you saying the Yankee after Jeter? For like he was the who wasn't already on a team. No, he was on the team because Mo was on the team too. No, he was gone before Jeter. Yeah, he was gone before Jeter. So, like, to me, when I looked at, like, who's the captain of the Yankees for those next couple of years, it was always CC Sabathia. Like, I remember there was one year where, off a loss, he was, like, 14-0 with, like, his Milwaukee Brewers ERA. And I was like, yeah, that, that dude was just a dog. And we can talk about CC in, like, 10 episodes. I'm happy to make him my 52 as well. <laughs> I literally – he's one of my favorite players, which I hate that I'm giving so much love to Yankees right now. But, I mean, you know, some of them deserve that. Play for Cleveland and Milwaukee. You don't got to just be about the that Eagles. Milwaukee tenure. We'll talk about it in 10 episodes. That Milwaukee tenure, I think, is one of the most underappreciated sports feats of our lifetime. It is because baseball only respects certain parameters when you look at numbers as opposed to just experiencing greatness in a capsule. Like, I think that I and, think and that he, had, look he at, had no requirement to give them that greatness. And, and he was a they, were they were absolute trash. But I think that one of the things about sports that I think we need to start doing more of, especially with analytics. I mean, advanced stats, not analytics, advanced stats Mm -hmm. is to pull out parts of people's career instead of looking at the whole career only. Like 
If you you they can't started tell doing me. that they did like the I forget what they're calling it. It's um, I mean, war is an inherently flawed stat because there's multiple mm-hmm. um, calculations for it, which inherently kind of discredits just, it a little bit. Just to like, me. J- just like PER in basketball, because it takes how many minutes you play and they subtract everything. So yeah. a player who plays a lot of minutes gets their number slashed instead of appreciating the fact that they can be on the court for a long period of time. But I th- they're doing a new thing called like the War 7 or something, which takes the seven, like your seven peak years. Mm-hmm. And like, this is your new ranking of like who you truly were. Which I, mean, I think I, is I interesting. Dig that. I dig that. I don't know how they got to the seven, but I dig that because like, I think that if we looked at, like, if we looked at, there's no way in my mind. And I grew up, I was born in 1990. I have seen a lot of athletes, right? There are certain athletes who were greater in a five year stretch than any athletes I've ever seen in my life, but their whole career don't pan out to that. Right. But we can't, we don't judge it like that. We'll be like, well, you know, he played 20 years and this is what his numbers are at averages. I'm like, but do you remember those five years when he was the best person ever? Like, it's just, we just kind of yeah. forget that. And, and I think that's a shame. Know, that's why we, we got to keep those names alive. Yeah. There's, yeah, a, there's a lot of people that fall into that category for me that I think of where for that stretch, I said, oh man, we're going up against him. You know, you know, a player who I think about like that, Chad, I'm not trying to say this just because you're on the call with me. It's just, I think of people like Coco Crisp, I think of people like like people who who like are Carl Crawford's gonna be did. one of those guys. I don't I don't Carl like Crawford because of the Red Sox guys. stuff. Yeah. But like that was a. I mean, he, I think he stole six bases in one game against the Red Sox. I, I can believe it. Dude was filthy with that. Like because like, people. But I, I think games. of like the Scott said Nick, where it's like for those like even the like three years, it was like yep, yeah, that guy was gonna steal you a hundred bags easy. Yeah, and even like uh like for for Ellsbury. a living time. There, there are people who just get hurt, so they never are the Pedroia, same. Pedroia like, might be one of those guys. The I way he's going to be remembered. I mean, because, I mean, if I think it was 2016. Was it 2016? Uh, 20, yeah, I think it was 16. Or it must have been maybe 17. 2017. I, think, I don't know. That might be wrong. It may have been 15. But ever since Manny Machado slid into his knee, he basically never played again, which cut what what had the trajectory of a, a potential Hall of Fame career just ended. Yeah. It's like that guy, a, came, that guy came in, won Rookie of the Year, a World Series, and then MVP. Yeah. And then there's back, the guys like Chase Utley, who literally was the best second baseman by almost all account, and then he barely could walk because of his, knee, his leg and knee injuries, and then happened to figure out a way to come back and was probably and someone 70, else's knee. <laughs> yeah, and probably 70% of the player and still was good enough to be in the MLB, but was only like 70% of himself and was older. So it was a steep decline. So yeah. we look at his numbers. And he still is arguably one of the greatest second basements of all time, even after the injuries. But we don't look at what happened before the injuries. We just look at like his whole career, which I understand. But I think that there needs to be something stated. Like maybe it's not a Hall of Fame career. I think Chase is a Hall of Famer, but like maybe it's not a Hall of Fame career. But maybe there is a wing in the Hall of Fame, like a what if wing. You know what I mean? Like to acknowledge those great players in all sports. Like I think Gilbert Arena should be in the what if um, arena. I think so. There are certain players, Penny Drazen. Hardaway, Drazen, Petrovic, uh, Penny Hardaway. Like there's so many people who like uh, Sterling Sharp. Like there's so many people who you can't tell me were not great. Just because they didn't play 20 years, you don't think they're Hall of Famers. That's insane to me. 
Yeah, I mean, it's hard. It's hard to do that. Hard to disagree with that. Um, man, there's. I mean, there's weirdly a lot of forty twos for for a number where <laughs> literally one sport is just like, nah, you can't have that. Like <laughs> there was a few forty twos to, to choose from. I will say. I think that was on purpose, though. I think a lot of sport. I think a but lot I, of athletes chose. <clears throat> yeah. Is that why Worthy wore it, or did he ever say why he wore that? I don't know if he ever said why he wore it, but I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked at all. I let's see. There's Jackie Robinson. Oh, he said it. Cool. So when Worthy, so yeah, he wore fifty-two at UNC, mm-hmm. and he was drafted by the Lakers. Jamal Wilkes wore 52, so I couldn't get 52. My dad and I were having a conversation about what number to choose, and he said, hey, what about Jackie Robinson, 42? So that's how I came to that number. Love it. Love it. (laughs) All it took was one person. (laughs) How about Jackie? Literally one of the other great 42s. And it's one of those things, too, where, like, if you wear it right, it's a dope number. You know what I mean? Like, you can look bad in it, but you can look great in it. Because 42 is a big number. Like, it takes a lot of circumference. But if you wear it right, people are like, yo, you the, you another 42. Like, yeah, it's a small yeah, That's club. one where you better have it. Like, you better earn that. I, is, that, is, that a topic, <clears throat> is that a topic where we should only – certain jerseys are off limits until you prove yourself? That's no matter what Dion does. That's what Dion does at Jackson State. I, I saw a clip of Dion being like, you're not going to ask me for a number. Like, if you want to wear, like, I mean, I think his, one of his sons has 21. But, like, like mm-hmm. if you want to wear five, if you want to wear yeah. one, you better – you have to earn that number. You better training. be nice. Yeah. <laughs> you better be – we joke, we clown them. But, like, how Miami retired 23, they was like, yeah, nobody should ever wear 23 in the heat. Like, you never played for the heat. Like, yeah, but it's that right. great of a number. Maybe they were on to something. Maybe they were just straight up like, you don't just be out here who, trying who to did- be like my – did Moose wear 42 in uh, Baltimore? Did Moose wear 42 in Baltimore? I can't remember. I mean, I hope so. I mean, but it's still Baltimore, so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, even if you look at, like, Kevin Love. I don't know. He wore 35. Where did he wear 42? He's on this list as having worn 42. I don't know where. Like, Kevin Love, he was, that's when he was putting up 30-30. Yeah, Kevin Love was out here cooking. Kevin Love was out here looking like Moses Malone. He yeah. was cooking in, in Al Horford's forty-two worked in some places, not in others. It worked in Atlanta, Chocolate City. It worked there. Yeah. After that, mm, well, the Celtics the one year. Did he wear forty-two last. I already forgot the one year where we were just like somehow we were we went to the Eastern Conference Finals because he was guarding Ben and Giannis, and I was like, this, this makes no logical sense, but somehow it's working. I think it's because he was wearing 42 in Boston. I was like, that's such a racist city. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it's always big dudes. I feel like they wear 42. Elton Brand, Kevin Elton Willis. Brand 42. No, uh, Shad- Jerry Shad- Shad- Stack. Yeah, Shad- Shad- was Stack. 42. Yeah, Stack was 42. Out here averaging 25 on him. This says Tom Chambers did, but I'm pretty sure he wore 24 and not 42. He wore 24 with Phoenix, but I think later in his career, he might have wore 42. Uh-huh. It's always a power forward. David Lee wore 42. Yo, David Lee was nice for three years once again. Like, he yeah. was nice. When, when he was cooking the, the rookie sophomore game, I remember. Dude, didn't he, didn't he make an all-star win a gold medal and was, like, most improved player all in, like, the same two or three years? Like, it was like, Probably. damn, yeah, He was David weirdly Lee? great. And then he went to the Celtics and wasn't. I'm pretty sure he was I, on the Celtics the one year that they, like, tanked 
and got Marcus Smart. But I think that I think he was still okay on the Celtics. I just think that for well, David Lee was, to have, we, we were running out like Marshawn Brooks. Yeah, he wasn't that hard to say, look a little good. Yeah, we had Gerald he, Wallace just because listen, of the contract, and we had Chris Humphreys post divorce. Listen, you know your team is bad when the Knicks have a better roster than you. That's just all you had to know. Yep. Speaking of rosters, I, I saw Charlie Brown back home. Yeah, man. Has he been, has he been playing? I haven't been watching anything. Uh, well, the Sixers are on tonight, so we'll see. I don't think he played yet, but I think his 10-day expires in the next couple days, I think. So it, I think we have a game today, and I think we have another one uh, on Friday. So he I feel might like these, baseball, might... or these basketball reference pages are going to look wild in a decade. For all these guys to oh, like get like 15 hardship deals in a year. <laughs> dude, like, but this is something too. Like, do we well, all right? So this is a real question. And I mean this in every industry, but especially professional sports. Why is there not a barometer? So I look at this the same way I look at the idea of a porn star, right? Follow me. I know it sounds wild, but why is it that if you suck one penis on camera, you are a star as opposed to somebody who wasn't porn actor? Like how like regular actors, but just because you was in a movie doesn't mean that you're a star, right? Just because you're on a professional team or you play a couple minutes, shouldn't there be like a line where we call you a professional athlete? Or is it just because you got the contract? Is it like an honorary doctorate where you didn't actually go it's like, to school? Is Ron you know? Roberts an, a like professional basketball player? I'm not going to touch that. I fuck with Ron too much. But I mean, is I, it I like – I do too. Pro- I'm just saying like he was the first one that came to mind because he got called but up from the I'm blue coach for like a cup of coffee. I'm not, not touching it. Use your helmet for that hand grenade cap. Um, I'm talking – but like is it – do we look at it like an honorary doctorate where technically, yeah, you actually do get a doctorate degree from a university if they give it to you, but you didn't go to class for it. Yeah, that's an interesting one because it is there is a certain point of you know it when you see it. It's like, okay, you've you've been you've earned your spot. You're now a, a constant feature here. Um, yeah, I don't know what that threshold is, especially anymore. I think you can say I made my debut, but if that's all yeah. it was, then. It's like, you know, I, perfect example. Let's look at inter, like club club level soccer. Mm-hmm. If Liverpool ha- are in the group stage of the Champions League, they've secured it like they did this time last match. They don't want to get people hurt. Call up some of the under twenty three guys. They make their first team debut, but you're not really on the first team. Like you made it your debut with the first team. That's awesome. But like after this, you're gonna go right back to playing for the U twenty threes. And I can't remember what sport it is, but there's a sport where if you don't play a certain amount of minutes, you're still a rookie, no matter how many times you get called up. Uh, baseball has some game and at bat requirements. Yeah. yeah, yeah, baseball. That's what it is. It's just like one of those things. And then on the flip side of that, though, is it more? Is it more that you get the acknowledgement for making it to a level that most people haven't done it, and that's just why we just accept everything? Or is it more like, because like, I just learned, I never knew this. I'm a, I'm a, I think I'm a basketball aficionado. Like I am, basketball is my favorite sport. Ben Sosa since I was a kid. Second is boxing, right? I didn't know the NBA, <clears throat> NBA had, I'm not shocked by it, but I'm just shocked I didn't notice. Did you know that the NBA has a veteran, um, what's it called? Like a veteran, a veteran like retirement package. 
I knew there was something. I don't know the details of it. I feel so like I learned that play, at some point. Yeah. If you play 10 or more years in the NBA, Just you way automatically more average. You, you automatically, yeah, because like, I think the average NBA career is like three to five years. Yeah. The, you automatically get health insurance for you and your entire family for life for their lives too not just if you die but like their entire lives you get a pension is that through the union or the league huh is that through the union or the league i think it's a collaboration i think it's literally like a collaboration between both of them so you get forever health care for you and your family you get a pension and i think they also give you if you need it like mental health services so it's like i think of a few other sports that could use that and we'll get to that. But like, so if you play 10 years and I never knew that because I was listening to a show and they were like, Wesley Johnson is one of the assistant coaches for the Lakers. And then he was like, do right by Wesley Johnson, a former Laker and, and sign him to his 10 day and give him a contract so that he can hit 10 years. And now his family literally has health insurance for the rest of their life. And he broke down all of the details. And that's wild to me because I, I just never knew that. And that's amazing. And that's dope. And it makes you realize that some of these leagues are actually treating their employees as if they are actually employees of Fortune 500 companies. Like we all, like we got life insurance. We got this, we got that. A lot of these people just don't have certain things and you forget it because they make so much money. Yeah. And a lot of them don't know how to spend it, which is the biggest issue. I mean, a lot of them know how to save it. <laughs> that's yeah. really what I, I, Okay. That's what I mean. I, yeah. They know yeah, how to spend it. They know what they buy. Yeah. I, I, I should have said spend it thoughtfully in good ways. You know, you got to take care of your chicken as, as uh, the great orator brother Marshawn would say. Absolutely. I think my Marshawn lunch like once a week at minimum. Is that weird? Only once? I said at minimum. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm, I, I feel like it's more often for me. Dude, it's I, I think about, I think about it every time I open my closet because I just see my Najee shirt in there. Or if, yeah. in my, if I'm in my office where I have like hoodies hung up, I, have, I got the beast mode one in there. I think about him on a pretty regular basis. It's Wednesday. I've thought about Marshawn Lynch, and I'm not even joking, six times this week already. That doesn't surprise me, though. Like, he's a, he's a weirdly good moral compass. Like, he he seems like a weird northern star to root yourself to. But it's it's like, well, I'm just going to be as raw and authentic as to what I want to say. Like, that's when I think of that, I think of Marshawn Lynch. Is Marshawn Lynch who Dennis Robin was supposed to be? Um, doing your own thing, being an outlaw, being an outcast to a certain extent, having a great heart, not always knowing how to articulate yourself and use maybe. it right. Yeah, I mean, like icon. Dennis Rodman to me was like more of a wild card, though. Like, I don't think Marshawn was ever like partying the way Robin. So, was. so I don't think that it's a perfect parallel, but I think that Marshawn is a wild card, but he is a wild card that's not. He just wants to go hang out at Applebee's instead. Yeah, he's not self-destructive. So, like, he's giving out yeah. turkeys in, like, Puerto Rico randomly. He's, like, yeah, giving, Hawaii, like, he, yeah. He's, he's doing, yeah, Hawaii. He's doing willies in Sweden and Holland and shit <laughs> going towards buses. So, it's, like, you don't know, ever know what's going to happen. You never know what he's going to say either. So, he's, to me, he's a wild card, but he's not he, self-destructive. Marshawn, to me, is, like, the perfect mix between the innocence of, like, a six-year-old child and the wisdom of someone who's 80 years old. Mm. And somehow they're in the same body. Of like a 35 year old man like it feels like he's wise beyond his years but also has this youthful exuberance of just like pure bliss because he just is him whether or not you like it and he doesn't really care for your uh how satisfied you are by that listen man you took the writers 
Move the Warriors. Better not touch the A's. Yeah, only person that wants him to stay in the Oakland Coliseum, Marshawn Lynch. Uh, The (laughs) fact that he went to a fucking community, uh, what's it called? What's those meetings called? Town Hall, community town hall. (laughs) Just like he's just a brother of the community, brother Sean. Or okay, here's one: Is Marshawn Lynch the sport equivalent to Dave Chappelle? Ooh, think about Dave Chappelle's roots in Ohio. And how he rides so hard for Ohio and does all and tries to live a normal life. Think about Marshawn Lynch's roots in Oakland. Think about how when both of them were in the media's eye, they did the opposite of what people wanted them to do and got held for it just for being themselves. And how misunderstood both of them really seem to be. And anybody who asks about them or the good deeds you see, they have like hearts made out of gold, but they just aren't who you want them to be. They just are who they are. Yeah, I don't hate that one. I don't hate that. I feel like they could just you could go into an Applebee's and just see them sitting down. Yes, yes, yes. I, I could see that eating some henny wings. <laughs> but speaking of Chappelle and Marshawn, because I think this is a good segue in terms of media coverage, in particular, and looking at it from that angle. We were talking a little bit pre-show about the idea of censorship. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to let you lead this conversation. It's, it was something on your mind. Yeah, I, we we started talking pre-show about music and how some words that are considered curse words like shit and ass and fuck, you will write like the first and the last letter of the word and put stars or lines or dots in the middle so that you didn't write it out, even though you still kept the F and the K or the S and the T or the whatever it may be. So you know what the word is. You're not taking it completely off. But then you got words like nigger or nigga that's literally not bleeped off. It's just showing what On it the is. same album. On the same exact album, which is actually a real thing that we talked about on the Chronic Vinyl. And then you got TV shows that you can say ass and you can say the TV ones are always weird to me. Yeah, but you can't say fuck you can't say yeah. bitch like it's a weird it's one weird because like, like there's like I, I don't know all the rules but there's like r- time rules where it's like late night shows can say more than prime time and you mm-hmm. know it, it trickles on down but like you can get more vulgar which 100%. is like crazy that we have scales like that yeah and who determines the scale and i think that's really where my mind went where i was like how can you tell me that like i i love it, it to me it goes back to that dave Chappelle bit um, I think it was Sticks and Stones when he was like, his producer called him to the office for the Chappelle show and was like, hey, Dave, you got to start with the F word that rhymes with maggot. And he says the word. And he was like, why? Like, I didn't like, why, why can't, why can't I say that word? And she was like, well, Dave, you're just not one. You're not a part of that community. You're not that. And he was like, oh, that makes sense. And then he walks away. Then he's like, well, wait, why can I say nigger with impunity? I'm not a nigger either. And then I was just like... <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, no, I, I think I think of a couple um, bits. Like I always think of the John Mulaney one. Um, that's a memorable one uh, as it pertains to like uh, he said. I, I forget what he said he was writing for. He was writing for some award show and he wrote a, a joke with the word midget in it. Mm-hmm. And and I've always thought this is a, a you know really is more so about the use of the M word versus in like comparing things to that. Mm-hmm. Um, he, but he said a producer came down and said the word midget that is as bad as using the M word. And he said, first of all, no. 
<laughs> he said, and, he, and this is what he said. He said to the producer was, and you know how I know that that's not true because we're saying the word midget. And you won't even say what the other word is. <laughs> he said, and if you're comparing the badness of two words and you won't even say one of them, that's the worst word. That <laughs> yeah. one won't. But I always Ooh, think wow. of the Louis the Louis C.K. bit too. Because I do think there's there's some truth in this. Mm-hmm. To where it's like, you yeah. know, you're watching the news and they say, you know, this person said the N-word. And it's like, mm-hmm. we all know what it is. Now you're making me say it in my head. But we all mm-hmm. know what it is. So, so I ask you, do you think it's better? So in, a, in in America specifically, which there's a freedom of speech, but freedom of speech only goes so far, even though most people can't wrap their minds around that. But that's that's a different conversation. Do you think it's better? I'm giving you three options. What do you think is better for all of civilization? Not you can't break it down by age. You can't break it down by just say all or nothing. Complete censorship, no censorship, or partial censorship. I, I think the tough part is it, I'm someone that very much believes in the gray. Mm-hmm. Um, I think no censorship is inauthentic and I wouldn't be able to make it in a day to day. Cause I need to cuss. Um, like it's just, <laughs> it, you know, I'm from Boston. That's what we do. Um, I think, you know, the, the thought of no censorship at all, is fascinating. It feels like a Black Mirror episode, though, where the consequences that come with that freedom, I think the the bad may outweigh the good. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I think it has to lie somewhere in the middle, but that's the tough part, is then you deal with the subjectivity of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, that I don't think you can have full anarchy. I don't think you can have full um, a suffocation of language. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's equally dangerous. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's something where to a degree, I think you start from the, I, I think it's safer to start at the side of no censorship. And then when you get slapped in the, in the face for saying something that you shouldn't, you know, not to say that again. I, I'm, I'm in the same ballpark as you, but I'm at a different base. Okay. I think that that was a fire, and I don't know. I feel like that was fire. I don't think I've ever heard anybody say that. I think I just made that up. Um, but <laughs> same ballpark, I... different loge box. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> I, I think because for me, I think that you as a person or your family structure should determine what you see or what you don't see. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have a family structure then I think that speaks to the issues of a country. I feel like if, if you are out here without any parameters or boundaries, then we all have to eat that. We all have to live with that. Yeah. You know, like I, I think that to a certain degree, and I don't know how I feel completely about it because it's still fresh, those parents who were just arrested for that child who did the last school shooting, they arrested them. They was like, this is partially your fault. Like you, that, that, was, that was your gun. That person got access to it and he killed people. You're going yep. to jail too. Like you got to be held accountable. First time I think in history. And I'm kind of down with that. I'm like, we can't put the actions of somebody whose brain isn't fully developed or doesn't have right guidance only on him when we help create the problem. Like he didn't mm-hmm. make the gun. He probably also didn't buy the gun. Yeah, no, so you are it? who you're raised by. Like um, in your environments. Like, like my environment growing up, it's interesting. Like I, I would say in my household, you know, we were raised like I, I still don't really swear around my parents. I Good. 
you know, like I, I'm not someone that's dropping the R word, the N word, um, <laughs> the, the Chappelle F word, the maggot word. Um, <laughs> like, it, I don't know. Like, it's just, it's just not really in my lexicon. Like, I know people that use it. And like, I don't know, like it gives me like the heebie-jeebies a little bit. Like, I don't know. It just, it just feels so unnatural. Like I have no problem if I'm listening to the chronic singing every word and still knowing when I can't. Dude, and there's a lot of people that. in my even hometown because yeah. we grew up in a very white suburb mm-hmm. that would not know to do that. You know, it's funny. So this morning, because I'm a psychopath, I had I woke up early to get gas. It was an ice storm in Philly. So I don't know. The shit was cr- like literally the gas. Uh, what's it called? The gas. Like the pump? The gas station is literally even a half a block away. Half a block. Like, I'm not even joking. Half a block it, down the street. It was crazy up here, too. Dude, I went to the gas station. And then I park my car to get gas. I look up the street I just came from is backed up so much that it would take me probably 20 minutes to get back to where I was leaving my apartment. And it was because they had closed down. I think actually somebody got into a really bad accident because of the yeah, ice. Those so like, I was like, okay, so I am a psychopath. So like, and this morning I was like, we'll be good to listen to when it's possibly long drive. Oh, I'll put on this short version of the Wayne Perry criminal story. And if you don't know who Wayne Perry is, Wayne Perry is the most infamous hitman in the history of DC. Most it like to the point where his first time he killed somebody was with a baseball bat in front of cops. I mean, start strong. You dig me? If you're going to do it, do it. Right. So like, he is like one of those things. So like, I'm listening to this and the dude is like this British dude. So he's like this white British dude. And there's another British dude who writes the scripts for every single show. And I don't, I don't, I've never seen this dude before, but I just can't it, like, I was like, Oh, okay. This looks interesting. So I knew Wayne Perry. So like he said, there's a lot of, because they were reading transcripts too, like like police mm-hmm. transcripts. He was like, so there's a lot of N-words in this transcript. So for sake of time, we're just going to change the N-word to chaps. <laughs> so, <laughs> that, no, that's, that's like um, it, in a similar land. I've always thought about this. I was like, mm-hmm. how does Eminem write verses for Dre or, or whoever it may be? I'd be like, like, I mean, as great as Eminem is, and, you know, mm-hmm. I doubt he probably thinks of it as much at this point because he knows who he's working with. Oh, he I said, feel very uncomfortable coming to you with, like, y- you should wrap this first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. 100%. Like, I've never understood the logic. I'm like, that Dude. is so much faith to put in someone. And, Dude. like, so much respect for him as a writer, I guess, to be, like, full reign. Do what yeah, you, do what you want. Yeah, dude. When I was listening to that, and they was like, "We're gonna go kill those chaps over there. Those chaps on the corner are gonna be dead." By the-. like, it was just so fucking funny. And they do like they put humor in it because they know how dark the shit they saying. But it is one of those words that literally, like, to me, the N word is almost on the same level of Mein Kampf in America, yeah. where like you know you shouldn't be reading this shit, but you can still get it. Like, you shouldn't be saying this shit, but you can still kind of do it. Like, it's like one of those things. I, I was like, just pulling up Dre lyrics and just reading it as chaps. Y'all know <laughs> the same OG, but I've been low-key hit on by most of these chaps with no cheese. No cheese. No cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, the fact they said chaps instead of just saying, like, people yeah. or blanking it out or ninja, like people say, it was like chaps. Yeah. We're going to do chaps. Chaps is the <laughs> Fellas, friends. Yeah. Comrades. Like, anything. Yeah. It was like, no chaps. Chaps is where we're going. And that shit made me crack. Like, I was literally at I'm, the point oh, man. laughing, I, dude. I was, like, cagging up. 
what what would be what would be some of the funniest songs if you replaced it with chat? YG. YG, my that's what I was thinking. <laughs> I didn't my know that was two on the notes. My chaps. <laughs> or Trinidad James, all gold, everything. Yeah. Chap, 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 chap. <laughs> Don't believe me, just watch. Chap, chap, chap. Don't believe me, just watch. Chap, chap, chap. <laughs> trying to see if there's any other really funny lines that that i would have forgotten about oh man my favorite jay-z song is nigga what it's like nigga what fuck with me chaps in paris oh chaps in paris (laughs) that sounds like that sounds like a civil war it sounds like yeah yeah like the war of 1812 yes chaps (laughs) invaded paris (laughs) return of the british empire chaps is hilarious to replace nigga with like that is fucking fire Chaps and Paris is, by the way, going to be the name of... Is that the name of the episode? <laughs> yes. Chaps and Paris. Yes. Okay. Oh, man. That, that is such a funny... Like, of all words. Like, that's what I'm really stuck on. Dude, I was driving... Because, like, I wasn't looking at my phone because it was on YouTube. So, like, I'm, like, driving. And then I finally park. Like, I literally park. So, I look at my phone and, like, turn it off so that I can go in. And literally, I look down and, like... <laughs> I get to the part. Like, I just looked at it and he was like... There's a lot of N words in here, so for sake of time, we're gonna replace it. And then he put it in parentheses, chaps. And I was starting to die. And I was like, That's so funny. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. The YG music video is just him wearing like horse chaps. Oh my god, <laughs> my chaps, my chaps. Uh, could you imagine if they used that song and they replaced my chaps, my chaps for like a Ballistas commercial? <laughs> <laughs> No, I can't. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm going to ride for my motherfucking chaps. Most likely, I'm going to die for my motherfucking yeah, chaps. My white friends know I'm that chap. <laughs> I'm going to be thinking that about this. Every, when I'm listening to music the rest of the week, this, I might go put on either Pac or Dre on vinyl mm-hmm. after this before I go to bed and just laugh every single time. Dude, it's it's hilarious. Like I could not contain myself. I was like, this is one of the greatest thoughts that human and the context that it's about a serial killer, too. Is yes. And this is another point that I want to bring up to you. They said something at the end of the podcast that I've never actually that's not true. I thought about it, but I've never dove deep in my mind about it, right? And they were like, and they literally said it and it, and it like it caught me off guard because I wasn't expecting it. They were like, it's amazing that if everything in these transcripts and his interviews are true, then that would mean this man by himself has over 100 bodies, which would make him one of the most prolific serial killers in the history of America. If you combine John Wayne Gacy, Gacy, you combine Charles Manson, and you combine, um, who's the handsome one? Bundy. Huh? Ted Bundy. Bundy, you can bomb Bundy. They don't come close to 100 people they've killed together. But when it comes to crime, specifically drug crimes, we don't look at people as serial killers. We just look at them, look at them as criminals. And we don't, and I don't know why that is. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that is so real. That, that's a wild number of bodies. Dude, it's when they were going through all of these people, I was just like, and I knew, I've known about Wayne Perry since I was a kid. Like he is a legend in the black community, not necessarily for good reasons, but it's also yeah, like, I'd imagine not. Well, actually, I was going to say 
But it's weird though, because the reason why we know him is because of his brutalness. And it's just like, yo, Wayne Perry was a real one. Wayne Perry is the yeah, way he so has Perry is a great, great nickname too. He's dog. Tell me, you know why his first kill was with a baseball bat? Because he grew up playing baseball and that was his first dream. So he was like, you know, I'm going to carry this. When he quit the baseball yeah, team, baby. they said he beat his coach unconscious with the baseball bat in front of people. Shouldn't have cut him. Should have been like, should have bun it. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy, man. Wayne Perry, and he he's, I think he's doing, what, six life sentences or something like that? Oh, so, I've, I mean, I've heard Wayne Perry's name, though, on Tom Ford. Yeah, by Jay-Z. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And say the I line. Need, I need say to the find line. this. Huh? Just keep saying the line. Sound, uh, there's a couple. Uh, Soundboy burial, this my Wayne Perry flow. Y'all know nothing about Wayne Perry, though. District of Columbia, guns on on your t- on y'all tumblers. That's just crazy. We, we big up the killers in our community because we think that's I told you before, when Philly was the murder capital of America when I was in high school, I felt proud. That's how ignorant shit really goes. And since we're speaking about Philadelphia, today was one of the, was, was a super dark day in Philly. I don't know if you heard. It was, um, we had one of the worst fires in the history of Philadelphia, actually. Um, in North Philadelphia, in the Fairmount area, um, there was a terrible fire where 13 people died, seven Damn. children, six adults. And apparently there were six fire detectors, smoke detectors in the apartment, and none of them went off. Even though allegedly were they, they off were checked, or allegedly we don't know, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Allegedly they were inspected in 2020 and they were up to date, up to code, but none of them went off. And apparently there's 18 people living in this one apartment, this one building, and 13 of them died. That's crazy. And Dog, that fucked me up, man. So I want to take a, a moment of silence. Let's give like a five-second moment of silence for everybody who lost their life today in Philly. And it wasn't via gun violence like it typically is, but it was through whatever this fire situation happened to be. Like I said last year, that my city was on fire because of all the murders and things like that. And it's still crazy. And then to hear about this fire, and to me, it brought me back to the move incident that happened in Philadelphia that we could talk about on a different episode when they basically firebombed an entire neighborhood and, and mm-hmm. chose to not put the fire out and having it being in North Philly. And where it was in North Philly, I spent a lot of time at because I had family out there right in that same area. Like, literally, it, was, it happened a few blocks away from Gerard College. So it's like one of those things where everybody goes there for the for – the, um, for the uh, terror behind the walls when it comes to Halloween time with the prison, the, the shutdown prison up there, people go to visit. Northern Liberties is close to there. Fairmount is a mostly gentrified area. All these kind of things. And it's just like, and I actually was talking to my my, my brother from another who is, he works for, uh, and it was owned by um, PHA, Philadelphia Housing Authority, that house. Mm-hmm. And he works for PHA and he was like, I don't understand why we can't keep people safe in these areas, in this property. And he's probably, yeah. he works for him. And he's saying that, and I'm just like, that's real. The fact that you saying that you work for that company and it's a government institution, it's just like, and I felt like because of where it's in North, that it's not going to get the coverage it deserves because it's right. in the ghetto. And we've talked like, about actually, that, yeah. Yeah, and he was like, I actually don't think it's in the ghetto. I think it's in the gentrified area. And I was like, well, all of Fairmount is in gentrified. So we'll see where it's at, but hopefully we figure it out. Because eight kids, I mean, I mean, seven kids and six adults, man, come on. 
Too many. Yeah. And, and like you said, Philly's been through enough, especially North. Um, to where something like this that feels that it should have been far more avoidable mm-hmm. hits a little harder. Yeah. And then I'm driving home and I was like, oh, we really out here wilding this this already in 2022. I'm at home. There's a police, like a, there's a police van parked on Henry Avenue, which is, what would you say? Main road. Uh, like a, a, a top four most busy area, like road in Philadelphia. It's up there. Yeah. I mean, like it connects everything. Mm-hmm. So there's a police van, not a car, not a tr- like a van park blocking off half of Henry Drive going towards Jefferson University, formerly Philly U. Right. So I was like, oh, that's that's weird. Hopefully everybody's OK. Hopefully nobody got hurt. Or maybe there's just that something happening. Right. So I'm at the light and I'm about to turn to take this left because I can't go right. Well, I was going to take the left anyway, but I'm like, OK, whatever. A fucking full-size school bus bursts through the blockade. And then, the, like, as it's going through, and it took a red light to do it, by the way. Like, it wasn't even like it was. A, it took a red light, burst through where it was blocked out at. The cop hits, like, the siren, and the bus keep fucking going. I'm like, Philly out here on some Gotham shit. I got to get in the house. Philly's wilding. <laughs> Dog, I was like, what? is going on right now like this dog it's too early in the year i can't even like i was it's too early in the year were there kids on the bus i don't know because this bus bus driver's like nah done today so you know me i don't take a lot of pictures i took a picture of them blocking off this part of here i was like this is so weird like why they blocking off here i gotta look into this and make sure like see what happened because it's close Mm -hmm. to where i where where i drive and frequent so i want to know what's going on right so I was like, I'm just going to take this picture. And I said to some friends, I put my phone down. I look up. The light just turned green for us. So we about to go. And then this fucking school bus is. And I'm like. Miss Frizzle. Out here wild. Is Miss Frizzle? Is that magic school bus? Yeah, I think it is. So like that. Yeah. Shout out to her, man. She was kind of a baddie too. You know? But like, it's like, it's wild, dog. Like I was sitting there like a, a full size fucking school bus. is like, like fuck this top barricade. I'm gonna have to ask because the people that uh, that were my my mom's horse is at the barn. Uh, she drives a school bus. I'm gonna have to ask her and be like, "You ever you ever just had that one of those days and you just really want to drive straight through a police van?" Dude, I was sitting there like I thought it was gonna hit that fuck. I thought it really was gonna hit that van because like it took the van is literally parked in the middle of the street. <laughs> like it's literally like it didn't hit the hey. car. It went just a right straight like, by. Vroom, vroom, and then like the cops like eh, eh, oh because eh. I, I I was I was thinking of it as like they went just straight through the van. I I think they they went into what the turn lane would be for the people coming the opposite way because it was no cars in that area and they just gunned it and just no they gunned it like I'm sitting and they and they ran a red light like it wasn't even like. So, and the crazy thing was, so one car ran a red light to take the turn. Like, it was like, it hit red, and then the car took a turn. It was yeah. like, all right, I, it was a quick one. It was whatever. Happens. So yep. The bus was behind that car. So, it wasn't even like they <laughs> It was just going too fast to slow down at that point. <laughs> yeah, it accelerated from a red light during an ice storm. Like, it's like. A lot like, of things to go wrong. Part. It was an ice storm today. So, it's not even yeah. like the roads are probably perfect. Yeah, I mean, they were blocking off, like, parts of highways up here. Yeah, like so, someone on my work team was messaging our team chat. It was like, someone just skidded on our street and just my mailbox is gone. <laughs> like just 
van went come flying in, just took out the mailbox completely. You should have been like, so is a person okay or is your mail just ruined? I don't know what I should be sad about. <laughs> she said her husband was out investigating and, and talking to the guy. So that's a good way to get shot, yeah. Hey, you know, New Hampshire is a wild place. Live free and or die. Listen, man, I grew up in a place where your mailbox was attached to the wall of your house if you had one. If you have part of your, <laughs> or it was part of your screen door. So I don't even know right. what it's like to have an exterior mailbox. I don't even, you know what's funny? I'm 31 years old. I have no clue which way to put the little thing if you have mail in there or not. I have no clue. Zero clue. Like to this day, to uh, this day, I have no clue how to tell your, your mail person, hey, come take this. I have no clue. I think it's up uh, because our, our house on the Cape had that, but our house at home didn't. We, we would just drop stuff off at the local mailboxes. But okay. Because, like, I, I don't think most mail carriers, like, take your outgoing mail anymore. I feel like that's less common. But I think it's flag up. You have, I don't know, actually. I actually don't know. So I used to know. Cool. I used to know when I was very, very young. Just that because I be- wanted to play with it on our mailbox at the Cape. <laughs> that should be uh, um, an entire episode. What are things that white people know that black people should? And vice versa, probably. <laughs> and vice versa, for sure, for sure. But that mailbox. That's like, uh, I, I, you know, you'll appreciate this. Um, so behind me now, my new bed, um, they got delivered from some family friends that uh, have a place up here. Mm-hmm. And he came to deliver it. And they're, I love them. They're very nice people. They're a little disconnected. They grew up, <laughs> or like, they spent the last few years living in a nice part of Vermont. Before that, they were in my hometown was a nice suburban area apparently um this family friend of ours who dropped this off went back and was like and i appreciate this but was like very concerned for my safety at the place that i'm living i was like it just doesn't seem like a great area like you know you can't be living there and so i was talking to my mom about this because she was sharing that and i was like here's the thing is it nice places in the world no of course not i've I've lived in some places where I had to learn how to <laughs> have some street smarts. <laughs> I'll be all right. Shake, baby. Yeah. Shake. Yeah. I've, I've been to the poppy shops. I've walked around, mm-hmm. you know, I, here. but like even the other places I live, I've walked around Dallas. I've walked around like other places that like don't necessarily are the suburbs. Like if I was moving this place straight from like when I was coming out of high school. Yeah. It probably would have been a little <laughs> sketchy, but I'm like, <laughs> Like, it just feels like walking around Maniac to me now. So, yeah, I just good awareness all the time. <clears throat> Do you? All right, this is going to be my last question about this specific topic because I know it's going to be a short episode. But as a white suburban person who, man who was once a child living in the same type of areas, why do you think certain crimes? don't happen to certain populations at the same frequency as others and and when those crimes eventually do happen it's it becomes massive news um you need an example i got one locked and ready well, yeah what's your example because I, I have a couple things that come to mind but i'm curious to hear your thoughts so you don't usually hear about gun violence in the suburbs mm-hmm. right but it does happen it 100 happens but you don't usually hear about it and if a white 
suburban person was to happen to be in the ghetto, because trust me, we can smell if you ain't from that area, right? You could be in the most dangerous part of any ghetto and you probably won't get killed. You might get robbed. You might get beat up. You probably won't get killed because people are afraid of the heat. Like I have known of the, some of the most gangster people ever, right? Will kill you dead. The cops run up, they run. Dog, why, why are you running from the cops? You got the same, you got a better gun than they got. Like what, mm-hmm. I don't get like what's going on, but it's just this weird mental thing I think that happens yeah. where people is like, can't do this to these people and I can do it to these people. So that's my example. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Cause like, I remember when I was in high school, there was a kid who's a couple years older than me that went and like held up a McDonald's with like an airsoft gun or like a BB gun or some shit. Like that's what they we hurt. had. Them bitches hurt. <laughs> they do. But there's a scale to this shit. <laughs> um, it, it's an interesting one. So like the, the first thing that came to mind is this. Where I grew up, I knew a lot of kids who had parents that were cops. Mm-hmm. So I think, because I don't know how it is in North, it wouldn't strike me as a place where the police force is people that grew up and are part of that community. That's a big no. Right. So the fact that you know we had like law enforcement that was part of our community, inherently I think we were more like, I, I don't know, it's just like, and the money, the money is the big thing. There's no, there's no hunger where it's like, I have to take the dire options to put food on the table and do something else. Like comfort and ignorance to like real shit. That's what it is. Like I know people that got into it or like, cause we used to have kids that would take the bus from inner city Boston every day and come because we have better schools. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like, there were certain kids that grew up in tougher areas and like, they might, I don't, but a lot of them were like real smart kids too. Like they were taking advantage of that opportunity, but like, there were definitely some that got themselves into other trouble. And it was just like, it was the people that made bad choices, always made bad choices, mm-hmm. but there was so much guidance that we got in the mm. suburban world from a young age that there was really never a. Like we never had enough time to think of the dumb things to do. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense because my follow-up question before you said that, and it can still be the follow-up question, was, um, so I told you it's a joke, but it's, it's absolutely the truth, even though I think mm-hmm. it's hilarious, that I didn't know what angst was until I had white friends. So all of angst? my white friends, angst. Oh, angst. angst. Yeah, yeah, I got you. I, I, my follow-up question was going to be, why doesn't that teenage angst boil over into some type of crime? It does, it does petty crime that y'all, y'all do permit like egg and shit and vandalize and shit. But like, why does it not boil over into something more serious? Because I know a lot of suburban kids who have been let off because they were suburban kids for doing felonies, but like, why doesn't it escalate to the highest point? Because there are some, there are a lot of young, young inner city kids who the first thing that the first crime they ever committed was killing somebody. Yeah, or just like somebody, or I, I think, um, I think it's the way you're conditioned that by the time you get to that angst stuff, you've already been conditioned that you're not going to do the really drastic stuff unless you really take it to the next level. So I feel like the the angsty kids, they're the ones that they're smoking from a young age or mm. doing little, like you said, like little petty shit, just because they want to act out. Like it's almost it's more of like a tantrum. 
like they just want attention more than they actually feel that they've lost it all. So it's like, it's a total ego thing. But you know what's funny about that? The funniest shit about that, Ivan, that's the same thing with the inner city kids. They want attention. Yeah. Either they're not getting enough from home or they want to touch it from the big homies on the block or they want to touch it from a female or like that's all it, a lot of that shit is attention. Like when you talk to people in, in, the, in the pen and penitentiaries, they'll tell you, like, I just wanted somebody to talk to me. I want somebody to think I was cool. I wanted somebody to love me. I wanted somebody yada, yada, yada. So the attention. I, I think the other thing is suburban kids, for the most part, they're scared little kids. OK. Um because we're also protected <clears throat> like we're so sheltered and protected that it's the difference of twitter fingers and trigger fingers i think mm-hmm. it's like we do like malicious intent by like bullying or like social media harassment or stuff like that versus mm-hmm. you know and i think it depends on ages and generations for sure but um like for me growing up, like that's, that's what it was. It was like, there's more like petty white collar humiliation than there is actual violent acts. Because I think inherently suburban kids that haven't been exposed to that from a young age are subconsciously fearful of the consequences of doing so. So they do the thing that seems like it has no consequence. That makes sense because I was fearful on a consistent basis until I was eight to 10 years old. And then after that, I haven't been fearful until recently around my 28th year when I started like once again and getting that paranoia and getting that fearfulness back in me. So it was, that's a long gap. And so Mm -hmm. from eight to 10 years old on, I didn't have constant like scaredy kind of tactics or even feelings, even though I didn't think I was going to live past 16. I was going to say, was it just a numbness? I don't know if it was, a, I mean, I definitely became numb to it. I think one of the, so somebody says something to me that I know is true, but I forget that I do it sometimes, or I just, actually, I don't forget I do. I love to do it, even though it's a normal thing. I say heavy shit so nonchalantly that people are like, mm-hmm. hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. What'd you just say to me? You do like, do that. I think, I think it's part of why we get along is I feel like I do that sometimes. <laughs> For sure. You know, and it's not always sad shit. Like when I was like, yeah, I was a diplomat in a foreign country, but we'll talk about the different time. Like I kind of do that so it definitely is a sense of numbness and it is one of those things however i think that the numbness i don't think people who didn't grow up in inner city understand what the numbness is i think people just think like oh like you're ambivalent to it or like oh you're used to it or things like that and it's like that's not the numbness the numbness is i'm numb from what's going on around me because if i didn't then i can't survive and i need to survive the pain would be too unbearable and even though I know all of this is fucked up, like it's not like a lack, you don't lose, at least in my my situation, you don't lose your humility, you don't lose your feelings, you just lose that part of you that leaves you vulnerable enough to be got. And that's where the numbness is. And I don't think people understand it. I think people are just like, well, you choose to live in these communities or you contribute to this. And this is what it is like, oh, you don't understand. This is not about if I can survive it or not, because I know I can, because I'm still here. It's about how and why I need to survive it is the real situation. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Like, I feel like, I don't know. I I always felt like I was looking over my shoulder more than other people I grew up around. Maybe it's why I was able to transition to living somewhere, like even like West Philly. Um, But I was like, I don't know. It's it's a weird thing. Like, but that hyper-awareness of like 
totally being overly sensory, um, it can drown you. So, mm-hmm. like, I, I can understand, I mean, on a, a much smaller scale of just having general anxiety, like, that that can be, you know, there's a reason that it's crippling anxiety, like, is a, is a commonly used phrase, probably overused. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people say they have crippling anxiety, and I don't, I don't want to, you know, shame trauma, but I'm sure to them it is crippling, but, um, you know, even stuff that I've ex- been exposed to through your stories, sometimes I'm like, yeah, you know what? I, <laughs> I, I can, I can move on with what I'm working on. I think at this point, <laughs> I, I, I think that goes back to my, one of my old points that we talked about many times when we lived together is that one of, I think one of the big, biggest disservices that we did to, to the youth is that we, eradicated bullying instead of teaching people how to learn to adapt to it Mm -hmm. you know i think that there's a fine line between healthy healthy strife and eradication of resolve i think that there is a strong of like a thin line there and everyone needs a little pressure a little adversity everybody needs some fucking sandpaper to go against you a little bit to understand how to maneuver it you know and understand how to move and glide and I think that what you said there about like some people deal with crippling anxiety or trauma, but when you look at it, it's like a lot of people don't have the tools to deal with any trauma or any anxiety. So it all becomes crippling or things that you might look at as like, and I'm not saying you would say this, but like some people might look at it as that's, is that, is that all you're dealing with? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, what else, what else is there? People look at that like it's the end of the world, you know, and some for some people it is like I get that. But the fact that it feels more universal worries me, you know, like because this is a this is a scary world we live in. This is a terrible world we live in. If you look at what's really going on, what's really happening was really like like the, the fact that think about this, though, Ivan, in the last five years, five years. Right. We know for a fact that there has been mass slavery in one country, mass slavery, open slavery happening in one country and concentration camps happening in another. Open, like we know this. We know that in Libya, I think it was, where they literally put people to slavery similar to the Atlantic slave trade. Same, very, very similar situations that that was happening four years ago, three years ago or something like that. And we know what the, yeah, the world Muslims, is like somehow only getting crazier. Yeah. And we know what the Uyghur Muslims in, in China, that they are put in concentration camps. Like this mm-hmm. is, these are facts. These are factual things that are happening. It's crazy. In, in the 2000s. And, and, and I think the, the, the craziest piece is the, I, I think that, the, I don't know. It's like the hardest truth to accept is realizing on top of that, that, none of this is new it's just we have so much access to information now that it's easy more easily consumable as understanding like all this stuff been going on in different parts of the world Mm -hmm. and we like to act like we're totally done with that and it's just you know it's one of the benefits of social media and the internet is it's a mirror um shows the, a little more truth. If, if you look at the raw, the raw details, you know, there's subjectivity off of that, of course, but like you had, and it's, I think why people get overwhelmed with it, even myself, like you get too much overexposure and you're going to 
not be able to think. And, and, I, and me being the crazy person I am, I like to say, if you're having a good day, right before you go to sleep, it's Google child soldiers and, you know, good luck with that sleep. Well, that's exactly what I needed to hear before going to sleep tonight. I got you, man. You're going to be like, this shit is happening now. But yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you if you want a better if you want a, a, a cinematic view of something like that, watch um, the Idris album movie that came out. Uh, I think it was four years ago now. It's, I think it's still it was a Netflix movie, so I'm assuming it's still on Netflix. And it was up for Academy Awards. I think he was up for Best Actor, and he plays like a warmonger who has a whole platoon of ch- child soldiers living in the jungles of Africa, and they Is he playing Coney, huh? Is he playing Coney? No, 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 no. But like, it was uh, it's it's deep, man. It's fucked up. You can see it, like, and they go deep into it. So like, they in real life, they they give children gunpowder to sniff and shoot and, and inject so that they can get wild and crazy, like they do fighting dogs and they do it in a movie. It's um, crazy. There's there's a, yeah, there's a lot of sexual assault that happens to these kids and sure. they do it in a movie. Yeah, so like, it's real, man. It, it's it's deep with it and is much more than a movie and that shit has been happening long before we were alive and it's continually happening around the world and my final point on this you know so i get off my pulpit is that that's why i give everybody the side eye in countries like america when we're like we're for freedom liberty and justice when we know what the fuck is going on in north korea but we just out here sitting on our hands where we know Mm -hmm. what the fuck is going on in china but we out here just sitting on our wallets like we know the countries in this world that ain't living up to what we talking about freedom liberty and justice and i'm i would be okay with us not intervening if we didn't put our nose in everybody else's business if it was That's just exactly like we're only on America. yeah if we were if the national guard spent more time in the in the nation than they do abroad then i'll be like ah it's not really us. We can't really deal with that. Maybe that's just how they live their life over there. Yeah, like, I mean if you're, if you're gonna play you know the Darwinism survival of the fittest mm-hmm. then figure it out. Yeah, and but that also means point, that we can't intervene with evolution. Exactly, and, and my last point about all of that is, I, I'm firmly in the belief that if people want to live their lives that way, they have that right, right? But if you got to escape the life that you live in in order to live a better life, there's an issue there. Mm-hmm. I agree. Escape? <laughs> nah. It's <laughs> crazy. I'm, I'm gonna have to write some poetry or something tonight to get my mind off this. Just get it or out there. Go, or you could just Google child soldiers, you know, and just, you know. Well, no, I'm going to go listen to Tupac and mentally replace every M word with chaps. Shout out to the chaps, man. Chaps in Paris. We out here. <laughs>